get started. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. And we are Where is the Rulebook? And we bring you a weekly board game walkthrough. During Season 1, we'll be focusing on introductory games that everyone should know and allow you to step into the world that is board games. During today's episode, we'll give you basic details of the game, what you need to know to set it up, what the turns look like. We'll also walk you through what makes the game come to a finish. And at the end, we'll talk about our experiences and how to win and if we recommend this game. Since our last recording, supernatural events have been happening daily here around the manor. The past owner is a ghost, and they're trying to communicate how, where, and who killed them. Most of us will play as mediums in today's game. One will play as the ghost as we open Mysterium. On the box, it says this game takes exactly 42 minutes. And you can play this game between two and seven players. Board Game Geek says it's best five or six. Really, anything with four or more, I think, would be great. And this game can be classified as a co-op, a deduction, pattern recognition, voting game. Now, where is the rulebook? And when you open the box, you will find our rulebook. If you're playing as the psychic or the medium, you're going to find six intuition tokens, your player sleeves, clairvoyance, level, markers, and tokens. You're going to find the clock board, which represents how many rounds have been played four progression boards, and then the character, location, and object cards for the psychics. Now, if you're playing as the ghost, your setup is completely different from all the psychics. You have your ghost cards that match every single psychic card available. You have a game screen that blocks you off similar to how a DM board works for Dungeons & Dragons. You have six ghost and culprit tokens You have three crow markers, and finally, you have a stack of vision cards with various illustrations. And to set this game up, you will take those progression pieces you found in the box, the character, location, and objects. You place those on the table in that order from bottom to top. Each progression piece will then get the psychic cards based on the table in the rulebook on how difficult you're going to make the game for the players. The ghost will now choose... From their pile, the character, location, and object that matches the psychic cards placed on the table based on the number that's on the back of the cards. You'll then place your cards on the back of your ghost board, representing each player. The ghost will then draw seven vision cards. and You'll place the clock off to the side, representing the rounds and the ghost timer. Clairvoyancy level marker goes on the very top of the play area. Each player takes their color pawn and all their player tokens and their secret player sleeve and you place one of the color tokens which is a smaller of the tokens on the level tracker at the zero as far as how we play out the turns we'll begin with each player receiving at least one vision card from the ghost to interpret the character location or object that's being played at that time after playing a vision card the ghost draws back up to seven cards in their hand These are given face down to the player, and they cannot be looked at until all players are ready. And all the mediums take their turn at the same time. You flip over those vision cards that the ghost gave you. You also flip over the ghost timer, which is the blue uh, timer in the box that's roughly two minutes. And once the mediums have all flipped over their vision cards, you are allowed to talk freely amongst each other, trying to help each other guess what vision 
the ghost is trying to tell you. And it can be anything from shapes to colors to literally what's on the picture. You don't have to listen to any of the other players, but everyone is encouraged to kind of help guide them, I would say. And then also during that time, that's when you decide like if you agree or disagree with that player's vote. So you can use your vote to get more cards at the end. During those two minutes, each medium will try to interpret the vision. And then they place their intuition token on the one that they believe is correct. Within that same timer, players can also vote if those players are correct or incorrect. The ghost then, without talking, will somehow communicate with the mediums if they are correct, either by moving the pawn up to the next tier, using knocks on the table, one for yes, two for no, or simply, as a lot of people do, say yes or no. And if you are correct, you take that psychic card and you put it in front of you. You're going to use that later. And anyone that voted on any of the cards, either correct or incorrect, they get to move their token up on the clairvoyancy level token in the very top of the board. Before the next round starts, you then move the hour on the clock up one hour. Now for the ghost, if the mediums guessed the vision correctly, you're going to repeat the entire round again except now it's going to be the next tier up. If you're on the characters, you'll be on places. If you're on places, you'll be on objects. If they have guessed incorrectly, you will repeat the process again, giving them a new vision card, except now they get to keep the old vision card they had guessed incorrectly to help them out. And also throughout guessing, other cards will be removed from those tiers, so it makes guessing in future rounds even easier. So once a player guesses their character, there's one less character to choose from. And that makes up all the actions you do during phase one. Phase one is the eight rounds or less if you are able to guess the visions correctly for everyone before the eighth hour on the clock. But if you are able to solve those visions before the eighth hour, you then move into phase two. Each medium gets different points based on how quickly they solve their vision. Each player arranges their cards in front of them, so their card being their character, their location, and their object. And then you get to place the color number token that the ghost will give you below your player so each player knows who's who. The ghost, now that everyone has their culprit, their location, and their object, gets to pick at random which one they decide is the murderer and secretly places a number token with a question mark based down at the top of the tracker. And then the ghost chooses three vision cards, one representing the character, location, and object. It will shuffle them and place them face down on the table. Based on the clairvoyancy tracker, you will flip over one of the visions. Each player, based on where they lay on the tracker, can only see and vote at that time. So if you're at three on the tracker, you can only see the one vision and vote based on that vision. However, you're higher, you do have better options. And all players do have to vote based on the number of visions they get to see, but their votes are secret, but you can talk about them as a group. Again, the other players can help you make that decision, but you don't have to listen to them at any point. But the group decision is decided by the majority of the votes. So if two of the three people vote that it's player two, that's what you're going to go to the end of the game with. And throughout the game, there are a few additional rules. Those guessing tokens that you get, 
you get six of them, three correct, three incorrect tokens. You get to use those, but you don't get them back until the fourth round. So all the votes that you do in the first three rounds are kept off to the side. On the fourth round, you get all of them back, and you get to vote again. The ghost has three raven tokens. These tokens can be used anytime by the ghost to discard any number of cards from their hand and draw back up to seven if they're not liking what they have. And throughout the whole game, Joe's mentioned the ghost should not be speaking. They really shouldn't be giving any clues about what the mediums are guessing or what they have guessed. But it's important for the ghost to be listening and paying attention so they can play future vision cards to align with how the mediums are thinking. That's going to help everyone win towards the end of the game. And being that this is a group co-op game, uh, we're going to change this up a little. Being that it's only Brian and myself right now, we're going to release our first bonus episode of the full gameplay later this week. And being that this is a group co-op game, meaning that we all win or we all lose, strategies tends to be a lot different. I am very interested, Brian, to know what your strategy is in this game. My strategy will change quite a bit based on what role I'm playing compared to the ghost or a medium, because I think it, it does change quite a bit for each person. It's the way that makes the most sense to me, but it's definitely not the best way or the only way to do it. So as the ghost, I try to be as literal as possible uh, with the vision cards. So there's vision cards that have so many things going on on them, ladders and boats and knives and forks all on the same vision card that could mean so many things. I try to focus on maybe the largest or the easiest to see item on each vision card and try to use that. So there's one that has like a giant top hat. And if I'm happening to get that one and there's a magician on the board and that's the one I'm trying to get you to guess, I'm definitely going to play that top hat for that magician. Does every other guy in the game wear a hat? Probably. But like it just makes the most sense to me, even though that one has like a spider web on it and a house and so many other things. And the same with there's one that looks like a sunny side up egg. It's not a sunny side up egg, but it looks like one. So like that can mean the kitchen because that's where you would cook an egg. But I think the biggest part, because it doesn't matter how the ghost plays their vision cards or how the psychics interpret the vision cards. I think the biggest thing is just paying attention throughout the game and remembering how players have picked in the past or how the ghost has played cards in the past. If that ghost is being literal or if they're focusing more on color or on shapes, something like that. And then just keeping those in mind. And I think it's the most important for the ghost to keep those in mind. Because if the players are seeing the tarantula as poison you're going to start playing cards that helps them guess that way. So how do you get around? And here's my biggest problem. And this game is very similar, uh, as far as the illustrations go, to another game we're going to cover soon, uh, Dixit, where it's just a bunch of cards, illustrations that tell stories. And we're using these as visions. But how do you get around? Because I don't have an answer for this, is uh, the people who think too much. Me, you, our friend Ryan... We, we look at a card, and the card may be maybe a bear reading a book, but we'll look at this and be like, oh, it's winter, it's cold, it's, uh, it's white. <laughs> like, we're like, we don't even look at the bear. Yeah. Uh, what do you do in those situations? 
it's funny that you picked that card out because that's actually Will Wheaton's favorite art piece on this. Oh, is it? He at one point he was talking about this game and how he he like made a joke about how he wants that hanging in his house. So it's funny that's the random card that you picked. So I don't think you knew that story, <laughs> but I think the timer helps. You only have two minutes per vision interpretation. So like it's hard to you can't really dive into it. But I think it depends on the ghost. Like some ghosts are gonna be very literal and thinking of cold, snow, it's gonna be the guy with the winter hat. It just changes every time. It's important to know who you're playing with and how their mind works. I think that's the case for most co-op games in general, is that it just really depends on the group and like how each player does it. Yeah, each each player being able to work together to figure out who the culprit is, the location, uh, is the biggest key. You can see a lot of people trying to be like, oh, I want to figure mine out before you, but it's not. You have to do it. Yeah. Everyone has to make it. I think the voting in the end has made it so you don't feel like that you have to get there first because it doesn't matter. Even if you guess it right and your other teammates don't and the majority says, no, it's something else, you still don't win. Even if you have guessed everything correctly every turn, you get to see all three vision cards, and somehow you get it wrong at the very end, you don't win, the whole group loses. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of helps like that group structure, and it, I think it's just so important to keep talking about it. And as the ghost, really paying attention to what the players are talking about. So the first time you play vision cards, it's kind of a grab bag. Because, like, yeah, you're going to know that I'm literal on the card. My wife is an artist, so she tends to look at the colors and the shapes way more than, like, the weird-looking frying pan item. So the first time, you just kind of play the best cards you can, and it's just important to listen to the players and what they're picking up on when they look at those cards. The first thing they see, is it the yellow in the background, or is it the, the square shape of the house, something like that? And then being able to change the cards that you play each turn kind of based on what they're saying. Maybe that's why I'm a terrible ghost and I like playing the game. I, I just, I can't stand, I'm, I talk a lot and I can't stand not talking and sitting there and then watching people guess wrong. It is and a weird, <laughs> exactly 42 minutes of like pretty much no talking. If you play the ghost, I haven't played the ghost too often. My wife loves playing the ghost. And so I think if she's playing, she's always been the ghost in our games. That's awesome. Uh, normally for me, it's just like around who wants to, whatever, random. But I'd like to talk about, I have personally never beat this actually. And it's probably because I usually end up being the ghost because no one wants to. But I am terrible at seeing like, oh, what do you want to pick? Like, uh, I don't know. This thing has a wheel wheel means car that guy drives <laughs> so yeah, the driving gloves or whatever yeah <laughs> but have you beaten this we have we have beaten this i think we've always gotten to phase two i don't remember a game that we haven't made it to phase two there's been i think we've lost more than we have won as a group but we have definitely have won it's those vision cards at the end isn't it that oh, get yeah. you yeah the vision cards at the end are the worst because they're randomized. So the ghost, even if the ghost is a fantastic ghost, you can play the best vision card for each thing. At the end, you don't know if they're playing it for the character or for the location or the object. You just see a random thing and you're like, which they could be, it could be all of them. 
and I remember talking about it with you. And you're like, no, it's like it's the visions are kind of straightforward. You just do the wheel, and it's always the wheel. And I'm like, well, it could also be the the mechanic that has gears on their card. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess it could be so many more things. <laughs> well, I'm not and, good at this. And I think that's why, like, I look at the biggest item on each card, just kind of like focus on that. They the cards just do such a good job to be the vision cards are so detailed and not detailed at the same time that they they do a good job to be able to play them and like really anyone can guess anything randomly and you can argue why you're guessing it and it makes sense so do you have any house rules i know for me personally i like it that the ghost is a ghost they don't talk they do the knock uh but you introduced a really cool rule to me and that was that they you just move the token yeah, that's the way that we've done it the most. I don't think it's a house rule, technically. Uh, we just, the players will guess with their tokens, and then the ghost either picks up that color token that moves it up to the next tier, or it moves it back down, and that's all that they do. I think the closest thing to a house rule that we've done, and I think it depends on the group the most, more than anything that we've talked about so far, is how many people have drawn pictures of their dream? Like, no one. Have you ever seen, like, hey, this is the dream I, I had last night. Look at this picture. Like, no one's ever done that. <laughs> if I had a weird dream, I'm trying to, like, remember it as I, the next day or whatever, or whenever it pops in my head. So instead of sharing your vision card the ghost gives you, the group has to describe the vision card. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, then only I'm seeing it. And so it's like, I see this weird yellow egg-shaped thing with ladders and... There's staircases throughout it. Instead of everyone seeing their own thing, you have to describe it the way that you would be telling your friends about a weird dream that you had. Oh, that makes it hard for the ghost. Plus, you only have two minutes, so everyone has to describe it, though. That might be too hard for a first-time player. I Yeah, I, too hard for the first-time player, and I think it really, like I said, it just the group has to be kind of, not creative, but the, the group has to be like chatty. Interacting. A quiet group yeah. is going to really struggle with that house rule. Uh, but it is really fun to play it, and you don't ever see the vision cards until the very end. When it comes to this game, what really attracts me to it is the aesthetic. It's not a real pricey game. I mean, MSRP for this game is $55. On sale, it's been as low as 35 That's almost half off. And for what you get for the value is pretty awesome. Yeah, 55 is more than most of the games that we've talked about so far in season one, but this is the first game you can play with no expansions up to seven players. So 55 bucks for that. It's a, it's a good deal. The tokens, the illustration on the cards, the different, uh, like the clock, the board for the ghost. There's so many pieces and they all fit together. Um, aesthetically, it's all pleasing to look at and they all feel pretty good quality. Even the cardboard, yeah, they're thick, they're thick, colorful cardboard. The only thing is that my clock doesn't work anymore. We've used it too many times, so like the hour hand always just drops down to the bottom hour hand. Uh, so we had to play with the clock on the table flat, so standing it upright, which is not a big deal, but that's the only... Even the organization of the box. Like, they even went out of their way to have... It's plastic, but it's still... Everything fits in a certain spot, and they stack perfectly. I like that all the player pieces are in the same area so you grab your token you grab your voting tokens 
you don't have to grab like random bags or dig through a different box to grab, you know, that different just shape. Order it all out every yeah. time. So it's really nice to just grab, you know, the white tokens and the white player, and then you just keep moving. I think for me, my only issue is the crow. Why the heck are there so much white border on this crow? <laughs> it does seem like that's the only one they kind of like. Maybe it was an afterthought almost. Like last second, like, oh gosh, grab a quick picture of a crow. <laughs> and I, I actually forgot of kind of about that. I don't even know if the rule book says it, but I think we always have the ghost has to make a crow sound when they use the crow. <laughs> and I think most people I've heard that I've played with have done that without us even ever saying it. Caw-caw. Yeah, and then that's how you use the crow. But what do you like? What do you think? I mean, as far as this game goes, I think at fifty dollars, this thing is spot on. I think that this is like the the a great fifty dollar game. If you can get it for cheaper, that's even better. Yeah, I don't bat an eye spending full price on this. Obviously, if it's on sale, I'm gonna want the sale price, but. <laughs> I don't have an issue paying full price for this game, and I probably paid full price for it a few years ago. Now that it's been out for a few years, you see them on sale around here and there. New games don't tend to go on sale when they first come out, and this was a fairly new game when I got it. This game's a a few years old. Uh, I believe it came out in 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. And it's got quite a few expansions. I think there's two already for sure, and one's on on its way. I like that the expansions don't, change the game at all it just adds more culprits and more vision cards yep and so like you just mix them in and you might get them you might not it's no but you just keep playing i love a game that if you're playing the expansion it doesn't make you play just the expansion part there's so many games like that where you'll be playing the base game and then you'll buy the expansion the expansion's like all right well now you have to play with these and this is just the way that the game is now. But I like how this combines it all. And you may get the characters that are new. You may get the old ones. And the visions, now you have more options. But there's also more options. <laughs> yeah, I think the expansions don't fix anything in the game because there wasn't anything to be fixing. It just gives you those more options. I feel like a lot of times, like you said, you always use the expansion because the expansion fixes a rule. Yeah. Or it fixes a mechanic that was maybe broken in the earlier version of the game. I guess my only concern with the expansion is, and neither of us own the expansion, I wonder how it fits in the box, and it probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah, the expansion boxes are smaller. Yeah. Probably about half the size, and they're definitely thinner also. I would, I would assume that they don't fit in the box. There's yeah, not much fit. room yeah. once you open this box for extra cards. I think you just have to carry both boxes around. That's unfortunate, but I mean... I'm sure there's an organizer, or you can just probably take everything out. But at that point, you lose all the cool organization. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't done, and maybe it's just because they're not done yet. A lot of games that do big boxes. Yeah, like Dominion. Carcassonne, big box, or Dominion's big box. That just comes with the expansions built in, which I like the idea of that. My parents have Carcassonne big box, and they're not joking when it says big box. Like It's a huge box. (laughs) It's not heavy, but it's... (laughs) It's a big box, so it's hard to put those like on a shelf. Yeah. So I like the idea of them, but I also have some issues with potential big boxes too. So, well, I've kind of already alluded this, but I'm gonna ask: Would you recommend it? I would. I I love this game. I've always had fun playing it. The people I've played it with have always had fun. I think it comes down to the people that you're gonna be playing. 
have to be someone that's willing to kind of use their imagination. It's the rules are very straightforward, but at the same time, the game is not very straightforward. The visions could mean so many things. So you have to be able to kind of think outside the box. And as long as that's the case, I highly recommend this game. I know we haven't talked about two player, but I think that to get the most value out of this, you'd have to play with three. For the full experience, you really need four. Yeah. You need three mediums and the ghost because a two-player or a three-player game has different rules. Mm. So you end up playing as two psychics in a three-person game and a one and a two-person game, and so that just it changes the game too much for me. And it's hard to find games that you know are fun for five, six, seven players. That is true. Without buying an expansion, <laughs> yeah. Even with some of the expansions, like there's. A lot of them just slow the game down. Yeah. And because everyone's taking their turn at the exact same time, like it takes a little longer for the ghost to pick the visions, but it's not, not a big deal. At two-minute timer, too, uh, I never played with the timer, but I like the idea. I think I've normally played with it, but I don't think anyone is super like watching it. It's more of just like a guideline to yeah. keep it going, just because you don't want to sit there and talk about your visions for 10 minutes. One, because you're going to start going into the weeds and you're not going to see what the ghost is trying to think anyways. And then that just slows the game down. I hope you enjoyed this game walkthrough. And if you haven't played this yet or need a reason to play it again, I see no better reason or time to play it now. Halloween is just around the corner. Grab this game from your shelf or from the board game store close to you and play this game soon. For upcoming episodes, we're going to continue with the Halloween spirit. We're going to be opening one of our newer games that we're going to cover this year. And we are opening Horrified next week before the holiday. You can always find our page on Instagram at Instagram.com slash where is the rulebook or email us at where is the rulebook at gmail.com. If you're in Northern Michigan, please join us at TC Paintball this Sunday where we'll be hosting our second game day from one o'clock to five o'clock. We will guide and play this spooky classic with everyone who shows up. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating on your podcast app today. This episode is sponsored by TC Paintball, local to Traverse City, Michigan. TC Paintball is a paintball, airsoft, tabletop, card, and board game store that excels at bringing in the community for all of us to enjoy our hobbies. But all these games either belong to one or both of us and are not paid sponsorships. Also, to all of our listeners, you can receive 10% off all board games and 15% off feature board games each month just by mentioning to the cashier where is the rulebook to receive a discount at the register local to TCP. And a huge thank you to John Ransom for making our theme song. Again, if you're in the Northern Michigan area, come play games with us at TC Paintball or at least stop in and see them for your next board game purchase. And if you love the theme song as much as us, check out Jack Pine for more music with John. Thanks for playing.